Hey, hey, how's everybody doing? Come on, you guys can do better than that. You excited to be here? I know it's raining, my goodness. I just want to give you guys props for being here, man. Well, you battled through the rain, 10th Street was closed. Man, you guys are, you love Jesus. Good job. Well, hey, my name is Caleb. I'm one of the pastors here at Project, and I have the uh, honor of kicking off this brand new series with you called Energy, Five Areas to Level Up Your Life. And so what we're going to be doing in this series is we're going to be looking at five of really the big areas of our lives and uh, how we can take it to the next level. So today we're talking about vision. This is week one. We're talking about vision. Then we're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about friends, dating, marriage. We're talking about mental and physical health in week three. Week four is finances. I know some of you need to level up in there for sure. And then week five is work or your jobs. And so I'd encourage you, come back every week. Uh, Bring your journals along with you. Hopefully you guys got one on your way in. Again, you can get one on your way out if you didn't. And uh, we're going to follow along in this series. I believe this series is going to help you go to that next level. Before we jump in here on today, I I do want to set up what's happening in our church I don't know if you all have been hearing, but we're buying a building. And uh, maybe, maybe you heard, maybe you didn't. Uh, so we're raising money. And so some of you have made commitments. If you haven't, there's a little believe area. Believe again in the lobby. You could stop in. You could fill out a commitment card. Um, get more information if you just want to know, like, what's the building look like? And what's it going to cost? There's packets there with all the information about the buildings, all right? So just stop in in the lobby. You'll see those. And so here's the deal. We are in escrow, and we close on January 15th, all right? So we are literally a week and a few days away from this building being ours. Um, Now, that doesn't mean there's still not a lot of work to do, right? we got to raise money to upgrade the building, uh, to build out the building. We're going to need new equipment and all sorts of things. But uh, we need you to be a part of this, and I want you along the journey with me and our team. This is a family. We're a family. This is a little family talk here to start off the series. Um, And so I need you praying, all right? So we got, what's today, the 6th? We got uh, nine days until we close. So pray that everything goes smooth. There's no problems. We're also going to have to uh, empty a big chunk of our bank account uh, for, for the final, like, payment on this building to close. So definitely be praying for that side of things. And uh, we just need you guys praying. We need you to continue to be generous. Um, You know, this is only going to happen if we do this together. And so thank you guys for giving. uh, Because you've been faithful and giving up to this point, we're able to do this. So we actually have $230,000 in the bank that's been set aside for this building. And uh, we have to give 330 upon close at January, on January 15th. Now, God is faithful. It's literally like the exact amount we need because uh, our home church, uh, or not our home church, my home church where I grew up, uh, Capital Christian actually gave us a gift of $100,000 a month ago. Which, come on, you guys should be more excited than that. That's a miracle. Which pushed us to that 330, which was the exact amount we need to put down when we close on January 15th. So come on, God's got us. Um, But we got a ways to go. So um, the building is an old sack. If you guys didn't know, old Sacramento on 2nd Street is going to be amazing. And so stop in. If you'd like to see more, you can grab a packet or you can go on our website. It's on our website as well. You can go to projectchurch.com backslash believe and you could see the building and the videos and the renderings and all that good stuff. So let's jump in here. 
Uh, I want to talk to you today about this series, Energy. Here's the theme verse for the series, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So here's what I see. A lot of us are spending our energy on the negative things in this life. We're giving a lot of energy, a lot of thought, a lot of time to things that actually drain the positive energy that God has given us. And we're not thinking about what's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, praiseworthy. We're thinking about the negative. We're, we're thinking cynically. Uh, we're thinking about that which pulls us down. And so a lot of people are walking around this life, including Christians, And we're not carrying the right energy that God wants us to carry. And I believe it's a God energy. Because I believe when we know God, we have a different kind of energy, don't we? We got a different pep in our step, as they say. We carry a different joy. We carry a different light, a different aura. People always talk to me. I'll walk in a room and I'll be talking to someone. They're like, man, I love your energy. I'll be like, that ain't energy. That's Jesus, right? That's the Holy Spirit. So this energy that we're talking about is the Holy Spirit that is in us. So we want to level up our lives in all these areas. So we need to be thinking on the right things, the good things, the true things, the pure things, the honorable things. So in this series... Today we're talking about vision, and what I want to do is help you guys, and I want to challenge you that we would set out and lay out a vision for our life. I believe that God energy helps us to set up a vision for our life, and how many know that vision is clearest when you know the problem in your life and the problems in your life? So here's what I believe. Uh, I believe that all of us want victory, and so the title of my message today is The Vision in the Victory, all right? The Vision in the Victory. I believe all of us want victory. And I believe that when we have vision, we're able to achieve victory. But the challenge is that we also have to know the problem and the problems that are happening in our life. So here's what I believe. I, I believe that every person in this room, as well as all of mankind for all of time, have really dealt with one major problem. One main problem. I believe that all of you, me, uh, people for, for all of eternity have been dealing with this one big problem. And until we figure what, out what that is and we change it, we're never going to be able to live out the fullest life that God has called us to live. So I want to set up, if you have your Bibles, go to Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2. This is in the Old Testament near the end uh, of the Old Testament. And uh, Habakkuk is a prophet. This book was written and this story took place around 600 B.C., So 600 years before Christ. And if you read chapter 1, I'm not going to read it, but if you read chapter 1, Habakkuk actually, in the very beginning, like verse 1 and 2, he's like, God, where are you? Are you going to rescue us? Are you going to save us? You see, at this time, the Babylonians and the Chaldeans had raised up into this great military power. They had this massive army, and they were marching towards Jerusalem. So the Israelites, their capital city is Jerusalem, and they see this massive army coming, uh, Babylonians, Chaldeans, and they're coming at them, and they're like, dude, we're done. Like, we're outnumbered. They're this huge power, and, and they're coming at us. And so Habakkuk writes to God. He's like, God, where are you? You're going to rescue us. You're going to save us. And God responds to him, and he says, actually, I sent them. He says, actually, I'm the one that sent them because, you're li- or because the way you're living is not according to my laws and my rules. 
In fact, your, your, your lives and, and my nation is wicked and crooked. And so he says, I sent them to you. And Habakkuk doesn't like that. So then he asks them again. And he's like, okay, God, you sent them. When are you going to save us? He asks them again, what are you going to do to, to set us free? How are you going to help us? And then that's where we come to in Habakkuk chapter 2 because God responds a second time. So this is God's second response. Habakkuk chapter 2, starting in verse number 2, says this. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Can we pray? Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, speak to us from your word. Thank you for it. And I pray that you would open our hearts to the vision that you have for us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. So I'm going to tell you your problem. (laughs) I set up, you guys are like, what's the problem? I'm going to tell you the problem, your problem, my problem, the problem for all of mankind, for all of time. Here's the problem. Is that we think we can do life and do things in this life apart from God. That's the problem. It's really simple. That we think I can pursue my dreams, I can pursue my goals, I can live my life, I can do a lot of stuff apart from God. That's it. And some of you are in this room, you're going, well, that's not me. I mean, I love Jesus, and I'm not doing things apart from God. But here's what I think in the church what we do as Christians. We don't do everything apart from God. We just do certain things apart from God. And what I mean is we compartmentalize God. So we say, God, you can be in my marriage, but you can't be in my finances. God, you can be in my friendships, but I ain't taking you to work with me, right? God, you can be in this room of my house, but not this room. This is my private room, right? This is my room. This is where I take, you know, this is my thing. And so what we do, we don't maybe live in this way that a lot of people in the world live where we don't let God a part of any of our lives. We just don't let him a part of certain parts of our lives. And this problem actually leads us to feeling empty and broken. Now, don't get me wrong. You will have temporary fulfillment in this life. You will have temporary satisfaction in your life. Pursuing a lot of the things that you're pursuing. But if you pursue these things apart from God and God is not in them, that temporary satisfaction, that temporary fulfillment will be just that temporary. And you will end up feeling broken empty, needing more, and you'll always be grabbing for and reaching for and grasping for something else because you don't have anything to fill the void in your life. And that's the problem that all of mankind has been dealing with for for all of eternity is that they continue to live their lives and pursue things apart from God and then wonder why it isn't enough, why it's never enough, why they always need more. And so here's what I want to do today. I really want us to set up a vision for our life. 
that you would set up a vision for your life. And really, I want to focus in today specifically on a vision for your life in 2019. I'm not here to tell you set a vision for your life for all the rest of your life. Maybe you need to do that. But specifically a vision for your life in 2019. That we would kick off this year with some vision. Vision for your life, vision for your future. So what I wanted to do, I got four P's for you today. We're we're going with the alliteration. You good? You good? Let's go. Number one, vision for your life takes planning. Everybody say planning. What does it say? Habakkuk. God speaks to him. He says, write it down. He says, write it down. Write down the vision. Make it plain on tablets. So we got these booklets. I'm going to pull one out so you guys can see it. I know they already kind of showed it to you, but, but I want to show you these journals. Five areas to level up your life. If you didn't get one, you can get one on the way out. But page one says, what is your word for 2019? for the year. So a few weeks back, maybe you were here, we actually challenged our church to say a word, state a word, declare a word over your year 2019. And so a lot of you did. And then it goes on, it says, create your vision. Here's some questions to ask. What are your goals? How do your goals incorporate your word and associate with a larger and bigger purpose for your life? So the reason we want you to do this, and my challenge to you is that you would write it down because, man, I'm old school. We got any old school people? I talk about pen and paper, y'all. Like, I like to write things down. That's how I get down. I got a journal, and I I journal. I'm ashamed to admit this, but it is now 2019, which means 20 years ago I graduated from high school. Come on, somebody, class of 99. Oh, 1999. That makes me sound older. Class of 1999, yeah. 20 years ago, man, time flies. But let me tell you something, that in this, I I like to write things down. And and this is what he's saying to, God is saying to Habakkuk, he says, write it down, make it plain on tablets. Now listen, you could do it on your phone. I know some of you get down like that. Your tablets, your your computers, you could write it with a pen and paper on this journal. It doesn't matter. The, The encouragement is to write it down. But here is what God is saying. Plan your vision, but plan it with me at the center. We need Jesus at the center of our planning. If your vision for your life is going to take you to the next level, Jesus has to be at the center. He's got to be in the middle of it. If you plan with God on your mind, his promises in your heart, you'll live knowing your future is secure. Hear me. God in your mind, his promises in your heart. Here's the problem. A lot of us, we make our plans and we make them according to what we think is best. We set our goals according to what we want. And then we feel insecure. And when they don't come to pass, we're even more insecure. Because we're like, I failed. It didn't happen. But let me tell you, if God is at the center, then you work, you do your part, but you leave the chips and how they fall to God. You are secure in whether your plans come to fruition or they don't. You're secure whether your dreams come to pass or they don't. Because you say, God, I'm not trusting in what I have. I'm trusting in what you're going to do. I'm trusting in your best for me, your purposes for me. You can plan, but you got to plan with Jesus at the center. Because when you plan with Jesus at the center, there isn't the same pressure to perform. A lot of us are, are, feel the pressure to perform. Like, i got to hit these goals. 
I got to fulfill these dreams. I got to make this happen. Let me tell you, I'm all for going after dreams, all for going after plans. But when God's at the center, when Jesus is at the center, if they come to pass or if they don't, it's not up to me, it's up to him. As long as I'm doing my part and I'm working hard, I'm trusting in where the chips fall. I'm trusting God. So plan with Jesus at the center. Your plans don't give you security. Who you are in Christ is where your security lies. That you are children, sons and daughters of the Most High God. You know, when I was a freshman in high school, I wrote something. I had this bookcase above my head in my bedroom. And I leaned back one day because I'd been praying it, but I had never written it down. And so I leaned back and I took a pen. I wrote on my bookcase. I don't think my parents knew this because uh, my mom would not have been happy. But I wrote on my bookcase, God... Make me 6'3". I want to be 6 feet 3 inches tall. God, make me 6'3". Now, this was, uh, this was an audacious prayer because nobody in my family was over 6 foot. You know, it, it had never happened. And at the time, the start of my sophomore year of high school, I was 5'4". So 6'3", that seemed like an audacious prayer, audacious act of faith. But let me tell you something. When sometimes you write something plain, you put it on tablets, God comes through. I'm 6'3 and 3 quarters inches tall, y'all. You see, God is a God of overflow. Oh, I'm going to preach. He's a God of abundance. Come on, somebody. He didn't just give me what he I asked for. He gave me a little mo. No, I know that's funny. Some of you are like, ooh, I'm 25. I would love to grow. God, could this happen? No, listen. If you're already full-grown adult, it's over, okay? You ain't growing any taller. I know this is funny, but, man, I, I prayed it, and it came to pass. And I want to tell you, some of us need to pray more audacious prayers. We need to make more audacious planning. But we say, Jesus, you're at the center. If God had made me 5'7", I'd have been fine with it, y'all. I'd still be up here preaching, okay? I just wouldn't be as good at basketball. And, and so, so that was it. I want to tell you, make your plans, but make sure Jesus is at the center. The, the vision of Project Church is this, to lead all people to find life and freedom in Jesus. I'm talking about all people, not just poor people and not just rich people, not just good-looking people and not just average-looking people. I'm talking about all people. We want to lead all people to find life and freedom in Jesus. You want to know why? Because when we know Jesus, we find life and freedom. And everyone in this world, God said, I came so that none should perish. I sent my son so that all could have life and freedom in me. And so that's our vision as a church. We've written it down and we're living it out. So I want to challenge you, man, are you planning? Vision for your life takes planning. Have you written anything down? Have you written it down and said, this is what I want for my life in this year? Number two, vision for your life takes Patience. Everybody say patience. It says, if it seems slow, wait for it. Everybody say, wait for it. How many of you ever been on, like, social media? I, I go on Instagram, and, and I love the videos that they're, like, 60 seconds. But the caption says, wait for it. And how many know when the caption says, wait for it, I'm waiting for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm on Insta stories, and I'm quick to just be like, ah, uh, short attention span. I'm swiping through all your stories, like, boring. Like, I don't care about your baby, you know, like, just kidding. I do. I care. Jason and Danielle, I really care about your baby. Um, and I'm swiping, right? But let me tell you, when somebody says, wait for it, and they write that down, oh, I'm waiting for it. 
And so we struggle with patience in this life. A lot of us struggle with being patient with what God has for us. But I want to tell you right now, we can wait on God because it may seem slow, but his timing is always better than our timing. It may seem slow. It says, if it seems slow, wait for it. Wait on God. Trust in God for your victory. Trust God's timing, not your timing. Wait for it. You want to learn patience? Get married. But let me tell you, my wife, where is she? She's over here. Oh, my goodness. So pretty much every day I get in the car and I wait for it. But let me tell you, when she gets in that car, oh, my goodness, the wait was worth it. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm here to tell you, patience is something we need to learn because the wait is worth it. Some of you have been waiting on a plan from God. You've been waiting on a dream from God. You've been waiting on something from God. You're waiting on a spouse. You're waiting on something. I want to tell you, wait for it. Trust God for it. His timing will be perfect. He'll come through. It's coming. Just wait. Number three, vision for your life takes persistence. It takes persistence. It says, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will come. That's what God said to Habakkuk. He said, it will come. You know, the younger generation, I I harp on them sometimes. Now that I'm closing in on 40, I can do that. That, This younger generation, these millennials, you know. um, I I think we have an issue with persistence today. You wonder why? Because we we live in this world, in this life, where, where we have instant gratification. Instant gratification at at our fingertips. Instant gratification when it comes to food. Instant gratification when it comes to social media. Instant gratification when it comes to life. And so persistence or the grind, how many know about grinding? The grind is something that we miss. The grinding is something I think as generations go by, we, we, we lack. We lack that grind, that persistence, that patience. You know, my, my five-year-old uh, and my seven-year-old this week, they were, they were off school. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that they're going back to school tomorrow. Come on, somebody. Any parents in the house, feel me. Two weeks off, my goodness. And uh, they're going back to school tomorrow. But this week, like, we went to the gym a couple days because they have their first basketball practice tomorrow. And uh, they're starting their basketball season. And so we went to the gym a couple days. And the first day we went to the gym. And I got an oldest child. Uh, he's seven. And, and he's a typical oldest child. So he'll do whatever I tell him. I'll be like, do this drill, he'll do it. Do it again, he'll do it again. Do it hopping on one foot, he'll do it hopping on one foot. Like literally does whatever I tell him. Come on, oldest children, where are my oldest children out? Rule followers. Come on, somebody, we all know we're the best. I'm my oldest child, we know we're the best. Okay, I'm kidding. Then my middle child, he's five. I'm like, all right, we're doing a crossover drill. So they have to cross over at this cone. So my seven-year-old goes. My five-year-old dribbles up to it and he's just learning. He crosses over. And the ball just goes flying to the side. And he immediately freaks out. I can't do it. I'm terrible. He literally like throws himself on the ground. I can't. I'll never be able to cross over. <laughs> it's like the most dramatic thing. And I'm like trying to teach him like, listen, Kai, like it takes persistence. You have to practice. You need practice to make us more perfect. It's about that persistence. It's about that grind. And it's something that, man, he struggles with. We quit too easy today, don't we? I think some of you have quit on things that God was telling you to keep going on. 
And I want to challenge you because some of you are on the cusp of quitting and God has wanted to tell you your breakthrough is coming. Keep going. Can you imagine if the Israelites had walked around the walls of Jericho and they did it for seven days straight and God said, walk around the walls of Jericho, walk one time around them for six days. And then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around them seven times. Can you imagine that if on the sixth time around that Jericho march, they're like, you know what? We're done. We'll never be able to do this. The walls are never coming down. We're terrible. Can you imagine if they had stopped on six? Some of you are on the verge of stopping on six. I want to tell you, your breakthrough is coming. It's going to take one more lap around, but God's saying, wait for it. Wait for it. It may seem slow. Wait for it. It may seem slow. It will come. That's what God is saying to you. Receive this promise today. It will come. Everybody say, it will come. Say it again. It will come. It will come. If God's put it in your heart, if he's put it in you, then be persistent. Don't quit when it gets hard. Don't quit because quitting is easy. Being persistent is hard. Listen to me in this. God asks us to work. You hear me? He said, you are my hands and feet. He said to Adam and Eve, you go and subdue the earth. You see, we're called to work. Christians, some of us are really good at patience. We're really good at waiting. But the work, that's when we ain't down. We're we're okay to wait, but when God says work, that's when things are like, I don't know, God, like, I I thought I'm just supposed to wait. No, you got to wait, but you also got to work. God says, be patient, but be persistent. Wait and work. We can wait and work at the same time. Did you know that? In the waiting, there's still a working to be done. When, when, when farmers go out and, and plant crops, you know there's a lot of waiting involved, right? Like they take the seed and they dig the hole and they put it in the ground and then they wait. But you know that while they're waiting, they're working? Every day they go back to that seed and they water it. Every day they go back to that soil and they, they till it. Every day they, they walk that land and they make sure it's protected from insects and, and other things that could be digging up the seed. You see, there's waiting, but you got to work in the waiting. So be persistent. Vision for your life takes persistence. And fourth and finally, the band will come back. Vision for your life takes power. Everybody say power. Ooh, I like this one. Got that power. It says, God speaks to Habakkuk and says, he may run who reads it. He may run who reads it. Listen, I want to tell you something. There's power in the word of God. There's power in God's word. So this year, uh, I actually just got done. I finished reading through the Bible in a year. And I did a Bible reading plan on the YouVersion Bible app. And I got on this YouVersion Bible app reading plan. I actually invited a bunch of guys to read it with me. I had like 25 guys on this reading plan. Five of us finished. Come on, somebody. Give it up for the finishers. Some of you didn't finish and you're in here. Don't worry. 2019, let's go. But let me tell you, I actually went back and I looked and I, I only read, I was in the Bible 312 days last year. 
And so I set a goal to read my Bible every single day in 2019. I didn't do it. I fell short. But I played catch up a lot of days. And so on December 31st at 10 a.m., I finished the book of Revelation and finished the Bible in a year reading plan. Let me tell you something. This year, I felt closer to God than I've ever been. This year, I felt more authority in my life than ever. I felt more power, more spiritual power in the presence of God than ever before. Here's what I've seen. A lot of us are living on the faith of yesterday. We're living according to yesterday's faith. We're living according to, man, remember when I first met Jesus and I, was, I felt on fire for God. Remember when I went to youth camp? Some of you went to youth camp. And I felt really close to God. Remember when, when, when I first, man, started studying the Bible and, man, I had this power and I had this fire, I had this authority. But you know what? That was then and today is a different day. You know, now I'm older and I got a family and, you know, it's, it's never going to be like that. You're right. It's never going to be like that. It could be better. You're never going to have that same level that you had there, but you could have a new level. You could have a greater level. It'll be different, but it'll be greater. And so I want to tell you, because I think there's power out there, and some of us aren't walking in the power of God because power comes from presence. I'm talking about the presence of God in your life. Are you spending time in his word? Are you spending time in the church? Some of you, man, come on now. You're here today. You have 100% attendance in 2019 at Project Church. Ooh, let's go. But some of you haven't prioritized the presence of God, so you're not in the house of God. I want to challenge you that that would be one of your goals. You say, I'm going to be at church as much as I can. I may not be there every week, but I'm going to be there more weeks than last year. I'm going to be there more weeks than ever in my life. Why? Because there's power in the presence. And something shifts in the atmosphere when you're here. And I'm not just saying this so we have more butts in the seat. I'm saying this because I've seen the fruit it produces in my life. I'm saying this because I've seen the fruit it's produced in other people's lives. And I've seen the fruit that comes when you prioritize the presence of Jesus in your life. There's power. It says, he may run who reads it. Listen to me. The word of God is where your power comes from. You set some goals for your life in 2019. Uh, attached to your vision, you're going to run further than you would have otherwise. I know something like, I don't do resolutions. These aren't resolutions. These are goals. These are goals for 2019. Listen, if I hadn't set the goal and jumped on a reading plan, I never would have read the Bible in a year. But I set a goal, I jumped on a reading plan, and I fulfilled it. it. I wasn't perfect. I missed some days, but I made it happen. Listen, I love that saying, aim for the moon. If you miss, you'll end up among the stars. Some of you need to set some goals for your life because you haven't been aiming for anything. We need laser-focused aim in today's world. There's a lot of attacks. I want to tell you right now, if you set some vision, if you set some goals, there's a power that comes with it. And this verse tells it, it says, he may run who reads it. When you see that vision, when you see those goals, you're going to run further than you would have otherwise. But I think there's a second part to this. See, I don't think it's just about you running further, you running faster, you running harder. I believe that when the enemy sees them, he begins to run. I know some of you out there going, oh, Caleb, don't, don't talk about Satan. Don't talk about demons. Like, really, Caleb, you're going to go there? Oh, I'm going to go there. Here's what I believe. 
I believe that when the enemy sees that you set some goals for your family, you set some goals for Ephesians, you think the enemy doesn't want to destroy your marriage? You think the enemy doesn't want to destroy your family? You think the enemy doesn't want you discouraged and depressed and defeated and negative and pessimistic? You think the enemy doesn't want that? That's what he wants for your life. But when he sees some people that say, I got some goals and they're centered on Jesus. I got some vision for my life and it's centered on Jesus. 2019 isn't going to be a worst year. It's going to be my best year. The enemy begins to run. He runs. Y'all aren't as excited as me today, but that's okay. We're going to get that energy up by the end of this series. Habakkuk 2.4 says, look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. One version says the righteous will live by faith. You see, I talked to you about the problem at the beginning. The problem is that we trust in ourselves. That's the problem. That we live our life with us at the center. We live our life with us in the center. We trust in ourselves. And this passage we just read, God says to Habakkuk, he says, when you trust in yourself, your lives are crooked. Your lives are lost. You're not walking a straight line, which is the shortest distance between two places. You're walking a crooked line. And you're wondering why you feel unfulfilled. And you wonder why you feel lost. And you wonder why you feel discouraged. And you wonder why you feel defeated. Because you're trusting in yourself. And he's saying, power comes when you trust in me. Power comes when you center your life on me. When you center your goals on me. When you center your vision on me. God said, put me at the center. I was reading this morning. Abram. God said, I'm going to make you the father of many, uh, of a nation. And and your nation, your people are going to be as numerous as the seas of the sand shore. The sands of the seashore flip it. He says, I'm going to do it through you. And every time God spoke something to Abram, it says that he built an altar. Every time God spoke something to Abram, he built an altar. Why? These were places of remembrance. Some of us have forgotten how powerful our God is because we are living right now prayers that we used to pray. You are living in the miracle of the prayers you used to pray. Let me tell you, I take for granted the fact that I'm 6'3". I just remembered that I prayed that prayer when I was 13. Now it's just my life. I mean, this is just how I live. Some of you prayed for years. Some of you prayed for years for a marriage. You prayed for years for a child. You prayed for years for a job. You prayed for years, if you could just have this in your bank account, then you'd be happy. And now you're discouraged about it, and you're depressed about it, and you're asking God, God, why would you do this to me? And why are my kids so annoying? And I'm here to tell you, you are living the miracle of the prayers you used to pray. We need to remember how powerful our God is. That he's done things in your life. And some of you need to remember them today. And to give thanks to them today. Because when we walk in thankfulness, we walk in positivity for the future. We say, God, you did that then. You're going to do even more for me coming up. Jesus at the center. 
Jesus, the center of your goals, the center of your vision. Today, I believe there's someone in here that hasn't made Jesus the center of your life. Maybe ever. Maybe you did at one time, but you're like, Caleb, I've trusted in myself. My life and my ways have become crooked. And today, I want to give my life back to Jesus. Today's your day. January 6th. 2019, God has led you to this moment, in this room, in this place, for this day, because he says what's behind you is done, but what's in front of you is even greater. I have a greater vision. I have greater goals. I have a greater purpose. Today is your day to step into the new life that I have for you. Would you bow your heads with me across this place?